Welcome back to the Loss of Words podcast, where in episode two, we are joined by Peter Uline. So I'm joined today by uh, a guest, uh, Peter Uline. He's a tour player for European Tour, uh, PGA Tour and uh, Corn Ferry Tour as well now. Um, very well-traveled, uh, brilliant college career. Welcome, Peter. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is <laughs> an interesting time, that's for sure. So It is, yes. Uh, it's uh, one of those things where... Uh, we've tried to arrange this a couple of times and it kind of felt like the best time to try and get hold of hold of yourself <laughs> knowing that people are stuck indoors can't play golf um yeah and i just thought i'd take advantage of that and, and get you yeah. on <laughs> yeah it's, it's i know when you reached out originally i was like i was about to just ramp up like i think i was going to play like 12 or 13 weeks or something like i was i was about to just play every week and now all of a sudden it's looking like i'm not going to play golf till september or something insane so yeah it's just yeah. one of those things where no one's got any idea have they i think a lot of people are looking at the masters as a as a time to come back and everyone's hopeful for <laughs> october and, and all this but you, you're not going to hear from augusta anytime soon are you so i yeah. think it's one of those things where we've all got to just play it by ear i know they cancelled the irish open on european tour just uh, <laughs> just yesterday so it's uh, fingers crossed we uh, get back to normality soon yeah it's it's all it's all just super fluid. I, I I know, yeah. I heard the Irish just got nixed, and then that's the same week the PJ Tour was going to start up. I think was Colonial. I think that's the same week. And as of now, the tour is still going. But um, you know, obviously they just canceled Wimbledon as well, and that's what late June, early July. So, you know, you you hear all the you hear all the whispers and the rumors of, you know, what events being canceled or when are they going to start and all this stuff, but everything's just so fluid you have no idea what's going to happen i think the uh the alarm bells started ringing when things like the olympics got cancelled um i kind of thought that was a no-brainer really considering that the athletes can't practice and it would have been a bit of a strange event just no one was really there traveling and uh, whereas with golf at least you know you guys can at the moment you guys can still go out on the course and practice can't you where you are um Mm -hmm. that's not the case for everybody especially not in europe um but yeah. it's just it's, it's a really strange time in the world and uh everyone's just got to find their way through it yeah i'm i'm, I'm curious to see I, I keep finding myself as weird as this sounds I, I follow this you know this this account and on twitter and they like watching you know some sports all over the world and they were watching intramural uh like korean baseball so they were <laughs> they were paying like scrimmages against each other but they were still, con- you know, contracting the virus over there. So it's like, man, like there's really nowhere right now that seems to be safe or, or you know, playing sports or whatnot. So it's, you know, it seems like the world's trying, but it's not really being successful. Yeah, I think that the nearest thing I saw was uh, Belarus. They're trying to play uh, soccer still and, and ice I hockey. Know. I think the, the, the president or prime minister there was basically saying that we can get over that with vodka and and a sauna but <laughs> i'm not sure that's the attitude to take in these kind of no, circumstances like so. um but i just wanted to sort of take us right back to the very beginning um so obviously growing up you were born into a golfing family that's uh, oh. well documented obviously your father being uh, the ceo of a Kushnit and and a big player in tightlist and uh but how how did you sort of were you pushed towards that sport or was that something that you grew up wanting to play no i i I grew up in uh, Massachusetts, um, in a town called uh, Dartmouth, which was pretty, you know, a little bit south of Boston, about forty-five minutes to an hour. And um, 
and the weather in, in Boston is very similar to what it is in the UK. You know, your, your times aren't awesome. And, you know, you only had about a certain amount of months to play and it was cold. And so growing up, you played, we played a lot of basketball. Um, even in the springtime was mostly, was mostly baseball, just kind of up in that area. Lacrosse was big up there as well. So golf kind of was just a summer thing. And, um, and I, I, I played, I played obviously a lot in the summer growing up and enjoyed it. Found myself to be pretty good. I played like a lot of like one day, you know, local events. They were like nine holes, I think, at the time. And then when you got, you know, I got to like, you know, 11 or 12, then every now and then they'd be 18. And there were all these one day events throughout the summer. And, and my parents would drive me there and, and I'd play. And I, I, I was good. I had success and I uh, won a few. And I was like, man, I was pretty good. And I think, I think at the time it, I may have been, 13 or something and i think i went down and played the junior orange bowl and i got paired I, i'm pretty sure i got I, I know i got paired with Lori. um i think the first two days and i think maybe maybe ollie fisher may have been the other one and i just remember thinking like man these guys are really good <laughs> like i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't gonna be that good at living up in massachusetts uh so i wanted to i wanted to go somewhere warmer and my dad um you know, there was a ING Academy in Florida where I went, ended up going to high school and he's like, Hey, if it's, if you want to take it seriously, then this is where you got to go. So, um, I basically moved away when I was, you know, I was 13 turned 14. And, um, so it was, it was pretty cool. It was, you know, down there. Um, I, I, I was, I, I got, I got into a good group with a good group of people and uh, a lot of guys who wanted to work hard and, and, you know, take this job seriously. So, uh, I was very fortunate. And that's the thing you say you hit there is, uh, I mean, a lot of obviously Europeans and English players and stuff, we're very, very limited to the amount of time we can practice. And, mm-hmm. and you, as you said there, the same would have been in Boston. You you know, you couldn't you couldn't practice in the winters and things like that. So clearly then that move to, to Florida was imperative to, to your career launching, if you like. Yeah, it, it made it, you know, it made, you know, golf being, you know, a three, four month sport to me to a year round sport, you know, December, I was still playing and. And then, you know, in, in the States, you know, you get a little bit better than they, you know, they have this AJGA tour or, or FCWT. It's like you have these junior tours and throughout the country and then you travel and you play against each other. It's, it's no different than, you know, the national teams and overseas and, you know, they're going to different countries playing against different guys. And so it was kind of that, that set up. So you're playing throughout the country throughout the year and, um, and, and, fortunately for me at least in high school uh where i went was basically it was like a mini college you know you'd wake up you'd work out you'd go to class in the morning and then you know you play golf all afternoon you know you practice and and play and do whatever so it's kind of how college ended up being uh being for me so you know you take advantage of the situation you were in and uh, i was able to do that and like i said i got i got around some good people some good uh, some hard workers and just kind of took advantage of it. So, um, yeah, I was fortunate, which is nice. So how did you end up, up selecting I, Oklahoma? So I always, I grew up liking basketball. I, I grew up watching all sports and, uh, baseball was probably my favorite, but basketball, I always liked Duke basketball. I've always, I was growing up, there was guys, Shane Battier, uh, Jay Williams, uh, Chris Duhon, um, Mike Dunleavy. These are guys that I grew up watching, loving yeah. them, watching them in college, and then watched them in the NBA. And so I, they all went to Duke. And so I just remember sitting around at home asking my dad. Well, I was still up in Mass at this point, and I was like, 
kind of somewhat equivalent, you know, of Duke basketball was for, for golf, you know, cause with the history and the tradition and, and all that and, um, the accomplishments and the coaching and all that. So I was, and he, and he just said Oklahoma state. And so I think I may have been like 11 or 12. So at that point I was, I was going to go to Oklahoma state regardless of, of what happened. I was just going <laughs> to try and go there. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, so it, it, and I mean, I'd never been to Oklahoma, but I was as far West as my mom was ever going to let me go. So um, yeah, I'd never, I'd never been. And we had a junior term. I mean, to their credit, uh, they set up an AJG, AJGA event there and at the golf course where we ended up, you know, where our, our home course was essentially. So it was a great recruiting tool for them. And, and, you know, when I went there for the tournament, you know, visited the campus and just loved it and just knew I was, I, I knew I was going to go. I still, I visited all the other schools just out of, out of respect, but there was, I was always going to go there. So. And it was a, a pretty stacked team, wasn't it, for you at Oklahoma? There was a, quite, a, quite a few good players <laughs> yeah. there. Um, so for yourself to stand out amongst that group, I mean, I'll let you talk about your teammates there that you had there, yeah. but you really had to really bring your A game to, to stand out. Yeah, so I, I I hadn't, so Ricky, so Fowler was, obviously, so I played with Ricky Fowler, Kevin Toy, Morgan Hoffman, Taylor Gooch. Um, Norn was a little bit older than us. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, Chris Ventura. No, Chris Ventura is younger. Uh, Wyndham Clark. I had just. I I may have been. You know, I would think I was leaving, and the Wyndham Clark came in. Um, but he was a part. You know, with Chris Ventura, Victor Hovland, um, and then Wolfie. So, yeah. I mean, so I I played with I played with Fowler. I played with Tway Hoffman and Taylor Gooch. And so when we were all kind of being recruited like I had always internally known I was going to go there, but people don't remember like Ricky actually was committed to go play at UCLA. And he, um, I just remember we were playing this event in Arizona and we were chatting and I'm like, man, why, why are you going to go to UCLA? <laughs> and, um, I, I just, just because I'd always heard how much he loved Oklahoma state, he loved, we all loved the coaches. He just loved it and it fit him perfectly. And he was going to go to UCLA. I'm like, man, that was bizarre. So we kind of, we chatted a little bit and then, you know, a few months later he decommitted and then committed to Oklahoma state and Kevin twice, you know, his dad, obviously is Bob Twy played at Oklahoma state from Oklahoma. Like that was, he was always going to go there. Um, and then, so we were playing a practice round, me, Kev and Rick were playing a practice round for this amateur event called the Jones cup. And we knew I may have committed at this point, to OSU and they were recruiting Morgan Hoffman and I'd known Hoff you know since we were 12 we played junior events in the in the Massachusetts New England area and you know he was getting recruited so we play a practice round and then at the end of the practice round he goes well so how do I commit and we're like what do you mean he goes well I, I, I want to come to Oklahoma State with you guys and we're like we'll just call a coach <laughs> and so so that was that and then you know, Taylor Gooch came on a couple of years after. So we had, uh, yeah, I mean, we had, we obviously had a pretty, pretty awesome team. We had a lot of fun and yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. It's wild going out on tour and you just seeing all the OSU alumni and, and, and everybody. And, you know, they've, they've had such a strong track record for, for a very long time. So I'm right in thinking that you saw your freshman year, you, you sort of struggled first off <laughs> on, on the course yeah. a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I sucked. Uh, it was, it was more. <laughs> so, so the tricky thing about 
about Okie State was we only ever really played one golf course, and that was Carson Creek. And Carson, Carson was designed to be basically the hardest course in America. Essentially, that's how they originally designed it. They just yeah. want he just won Fazio. I think it was Fazio. Was it Fazio? I think it's Fazio. But Fazio Holder, the original golf coach, athletic director, now brought in Faz and was like, you know, just build the hardest on the planet. And and he did. And in Oklahoma, it blows 30 every day. And, you know, it can be cold. It can be, you know, it's always windy. And so the weather's weather's challenging. And I, I, you know, I came from South Florida where it's perfect all the time and hot and no wind. And, <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm in Oklahoma where it's 40 degrees and blown 40. And it's like, man, this is miserable. And, um, yeah, it, it, and it, it was, it was weird. Cause it wasn't like I was playing bad. I just had no opportunity because all our qualifyings were at Karsten and I couldn't play Karsten. And so I'd go home in December, you know, and like I won an amateur event, a pretty good amateur event in Florida. And then, you know, the first couple weeks of the spring, like I'm not playing for the team and everybody's like, well, what the hell's going on? Like, I was still playing well. I just couldn't qualify. And for some, I don't know what happened. Something clicked. I just kind of figured out, I figured it out a little bit at, at Karsten. I figured out how to play it. And then we had, um, we had, we had conference big 12s, which was pretty important for, for conference. And OSU has always dominated it through the years. And that was usually it's only five guys play for the, for the team. But, um, for, for conference for some reason or or maybe uh, I can't honestly this is it's all boggling up a little bit maybe, <laughs> maybe Texas A&M had an event I think that's what it was Texas A&M had an event where they counted six players so I went as the sixth man played really well and then had a qualifier at Karsten and it was between me Kevin Toy and Trent Whitekiller and Toy actually got we we beat out Kev so Kev didn't go to conference and then I played really well at conference, but Trent Whitekiller played horrible. And then they plugged in, he coach plugged in Kevin for, for Weedy. And then we had regionals to go to nationals and regionals was at Carson Creek. <laughs> and so the top, I believe if I remember the top four teams at regionals end up going to nationals. So we were playing on our home turf as the number one team in the country. I mean, Hoff was Hoff had an unbelievable year as a freshman. We were roommates, and that kind of it made it a little. It stung a little bit more, you know. Be, you know, my roommate was out just blitzing everybody freshman year. Was was playing great. Ricky was playing great. Um, we had a senior Trent Leon who at one point was number one ranked in I think in college at one point. So, you know, we had we had a we had a really good team, and um, and then naturally, so regionals rolls around. And we're at Karsten, and so I'm kind of like I'm. I don't know if I can curse on here, but I'm shitting myself yeah, yeah, pretty go good. Yeah, go <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I, I'm just absolutely shitting myself and we get, so I get to the final day and I'm actually leading, I'm leading going into 17 and get in second place is Kevin Twy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I end up, I double 17 and I end up losing by one, but me and Kev are just sitting there just laughing. We're like, man, you know, this is, we weren't even part of the team essentially a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Then he wins. I finished second and then, you know, we go on to nationals and nationals that year. Unfortunately, they changed it to match play. Um, for, just unfortunately for us at the time, because it, it used to just be four rounds as a team, four yeah. score, you know, four count five. 
or best four out of five. And we end up, we end up after three days, we have like an 18 shot lead. I mean, we're just cruising. And we unfortunately faced Georgia in the first round, who was the number two ranked team in the country. And they had Russell Henley, Harris English, Brian Harmon, uh, Hudson Swafford, and Adam Mitchell, who at the time played Walker Cup. So we, so I played Harris English in a match. Um, I think Kevin played Adam Mitchell. I don't know who played Henley, but like, I mean, we have eight of the ten guys are on the PGA Tour in that match, and yeah. you know, we and Harmon beat Ricky, and that was the difference, you know. So we we ended up losing, which which sucked because you know, if it was a four round nationals like it used to be, we would have we would have won a national championship, but um, you know, we ended up losing, and then following two years, I got my ass absolutely spanked by Patrick Reed, so <laughs> <laughs> lost those. So. Um, but I mean, I absolutely, I mean, I loved my time in Oklahoma. I loved it. Um, I tried maybe selling that to my wife a little while ago and that got shot down going, maybe moving <laughs> to Oklahoma one day. But... Okay. Try, trying to move out of the sunshine back to Oklahoma might not be an easy Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it was, it, it, it didn't last more than the conversation. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you say that obviously you had your struggles, but for the rest of college, you, you had, a, you know, don't be modest. You had a brilliant brilliant career didn't you i mean you all american yeah. uh mccormack medal winner number one amateur in the country mm-hmm. um ben hogan award uh, best mm-hmm. college player and you won the u.s amateur on your 21st birthday so i would say <laughs> that uh you know it, it went pretty well for you in the end yeah it did i uh yeah it was it, it was all it was all just because you know being in a situation in oklahoma around great players tough conditions and it, it really did kind of it made you a better player and you know i'll never i, I mean i obviously would have loved to have won a natty or a national championship but um you know the rest it's you know i did i feel like um i felt like i did everything i needed to do while i was there which was which was awesome so i imagine winning an event such as us amateur on a 21st birthday must have been pretty <laughs> eventful <laughs> yeah. for the evening after maybe a few headaches for the rest of the week yeah we uh <laughs> yeah we had a good time it was it was fun and I, I mean, people don't realize that 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 event is like we started school like a month earlier. So I yeah. was just I was just cruising, missing school. So <laughs> and then like I think the next week, I think the next week we had a college event. So I went to Olympia Fields for the team, ended up winning that as well. So I had you know I had a pretty good you know couple week stretch, and I had missed so much school. And then I went down. I think we played, I may have played twice again that fall. And then I went down and played, um, the Eisenhower down in Argentina. Okay. So I was, I was completely missing school. <laughs> like it wasn't <laughs> even, it wasn't even sniffing. And then, yeah, I mean, coach, coach always made it like, Hey, you got to have a B average to go to Hawaii. And I didn't even come close. And so I didn't, I didn't go to Hawaii and neither did Tway cause he didn't have a B average as well. And so we ended up going playing like a tournament, the Jones cup and which was the same week. And coach was furious, absolutely pissed. And we both <laughs> played pretty good. And then I think we got in trouble again for, because we went and played and it was just weird. It just got, it got a little weird at the end, but um, yeah, it, it was, it was fun though. I mean, school was at that point, I'd always felt like maybe a diploma wasn't a, a wall, you know, a piece of paper hanging on the wall wasn't going to be beneficial for me in the long run. So <laughs> well, we spoke it to, have... um, to Chris Paisley last week and he was saying when he was at Tennessee that the coach said to him, you kind of got three things. You've got your, your personal life, uh, your golf 
and your studies and one of them has to suffer um and, and chris said it was quite often his studies that, <laughs> that lost yeah. out to the two there but yeah, yeah. to your credit you went back and got your degree still and... yeah I, I mean well we can edit that I have not yet no we don't <laughs> we don't need to tell anybody <laughs> no it uh, it is one of those things i i maybe before i have kids or you know if i do have kids kind of thing that way you set the example and um you know kind of because that, that's what you want you know you want your kids to graduate college and unless they you know do something that they don't need to you know but uh you know it is what it is how much did you think of your of your junior career and your amateur career um did you feel like you had to uh quieten a lot of critics there's a lot of people that probably thought that you sort of had it on a plate being who your father was and <laughs> um i imagine that was probably quite difficult because it doesn't matter who your dad is who, you, who your parents are if if you can't play golf, you can't win tournaments. It's, <laughs> you can be yeah. given all the things in the world, all the money in the world, all the all the gifts. Okay, yes, you're you know fortunate you can move to Florida and things like that. But mm-hmm. there's there's an awful lot of hard work that goes into it that is often just ignored. Yeah, and you know everybody, it, it's it, it is tricky because you you know you look at like first person I always think of some like Michael Jordan, his kid I think tried playing basketball, and it's like it's it's not. You know, just because of who your dad is doesn't automatically going to make you successful. And I look at I look at a guy who I really respect. And I, honestly, I've never said a word to the kid, but I respect the guy. Who's this guy, Maverick McNeely? I mean, his dad's a trillionaire. Yeah. And he has, <laughs> he has no reason to be grinding out on the on the corn ferry tour. He doesn't need to do that. Like you know, and, and getting his PGA Tour car, the guy can, you know, the guy's a trillionaire essentially. So. But yet he's out grinding. He's out working his, you know, he's working his ass off. He's he he wants to be great, and you know, and he, he part of like I really, you know, you really respect that, you know, in a, in a way, and because people are obviously people are ultimately motivated by different things. You know, a lot of people are money by motivated by money and fame and fortune and all that jazz. And so I think once you kind of figure out what your motivation is and and you know, kind of build off that that's you know that that's the key to success for everybody and so um yeah i mean growing up growing up it was a little bit you know you kind of heard the whispers but i think you know since turning pro and or really kind of college everybody you know that kind of stuff stopped and you didn't really didn't really hear it as much and um you know ultimately my dad is you know my dad is my dad i don't really view him as anybody <laughs> any, you know anybody different and so you know, he wasn't hitting shots for me. No, that's, <laughs> yeah, so. He was doing a completely different career, wasn't he? And it's, it's interesting yeah, you was... talk about Maverick there as well, because it, like you yeah. say, his dad's a yeah, very wealthy man. And, and yeah. I think I heard on the podcast that he actually pays his own way. He he doesn't want any yeah. handouts, you know, and, and I'm sure him, it's the yeah. same for you, you know, go and, go and make your own career. And, you know, obviously if hard times happen, you're going to be maybe bailed out a little bit, but you yeah. know, for, you, for yourself, and I think, maybe that was possibly a part of you coming to Europe was for you to get away and, and to grow up in, in your own way. Yeah. So my, my decision to go to Europe was, was essentially, it was, it was two part. It was, I'd always grown up. I loved Adam Scott. always loved, loved everything about him. Loved the way he played, loved the way, you know, his demeanor was, his attitude, always loved Ernie Els. And so, you know, my dad and I had a discussion, we were at the open and, um, and I, and I was kind of chatting to him about it and I was like, man, you know, I didn't really, 
other than Argentina, like I didn't really play outside the world. You know, I, I was in a little bubble in Oklahoma. We, we were all, we were all kept looked after and everything was easy in America. And so I was like, man, I, you know, I kind of want to just see the world a little bit. And we were chatting and, you know, I was told him, I, you know, I really liked Adam and Ernie. And he's like, well, you know, they started in Europe. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, I mean, what's, what made that any different just because I'm American? Why is that different? You know, I mean, it's like Scotty started, started in Europe and he was Australian. So, you yeah. know, what, why was it, you know, why was it different being, you know, an American? So it, it part of me was part of me. Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to play, I wanted to travel the world and, and, and play in these different places. And, but the other part of me felt like, Hey, this was going to be really good development for my game as well. And so, you know, it, it, in my mind, I viewed it almost as not necessarily college, but it's like, Hey, this is another really good learning opportunity, how to play in different scenarios and situations that you know being in growing up essentially in florida then going to oklahoma then going to oklahoma going over to europe you know it's all a a process of you know improving and and becoming better and kind of figuring out who you are and you know my my first event as a pro was in Ahmedabad, india and um you know it was essentially i I was i was like my best my best friend was caddying for me so we're we're getting on a plane to go to dubai and I couldn't point out Dubai on a map. Like, I had no <laughs> idea where that was. And, you know, then we're going, you know, we're there for two days and we go to India and I'm like, holy crap, this is, to- it's just, it was just a totally different experience, totally different world. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's, I mean, it's something I absolutely loved. I mean, I absolutely loved playing over there and, um, I loved the experience. I loved, I loved playing the first year on the challenge tour with, with all the guys and just having fun and just stories and stuff like that. So it, it was, it was a blast. And do you think that obviously you said where you went from, from Florida to the tough conditions in Oklahoma, do you think that kind of prepared you a little bit for what you were going to face? I mean, obviously it's slightly different with the weather mm. being bad in Oklahoma compared to going to a completely new experience playing in India, but you know, you, you were out of your comfort zone in college at the start, got used to it. And so you knew you could overcome that kind of obstacle and you knew you could do the same when you went to Europe. Yeah, and it's it's really kind of paved away from like I love playing in the wind. Like I I like when it's windy. Now you know I went from absolutely hating it to now it's like man I I want it to be blowing twenty five because I don't <laughs> I don't like when it's blowing when it's not windy and you got to shoot thirty under. Like I don't enjoy that. So it's like man I want it to be windy and challenging and, and and tough. And so I think a lot of that a lot of kind of my upbringing plays into where I am now, where it's like man I I really really enjoy when you got to hit five iron from 160, like I, I enjoy that challenge. I, I, I have fun doing that. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it definitely, it definitely added to it for sure. And, um, playing overseas and, you know, in your, in Europe, you said you do chase the weather, but at the same time, you know, it gets windy in places like Dubai and, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, all the opens, the Irish and the Scottish, they get windy. And so in Perth, you know, the Australia events gets windy and essays get windy sometimes. So, you know, you, you found those, I found those conditions to be very enjoyable and, and favorable. I felt like towards me, which was nice. I mean, it must've been kind of difficult to go from playing the masters as an amateur in 2011 to suddenly humbling yourself to playing on the challenge tour. Um, but yeah. I suppose that it's uh, one of those short term goals for a, for a long term achievement type of thing. You knew yeah, where it was, was... going to take you. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I'd always felt like the PJ Tour wasn't going anywhere. Um, and, you know, at what better time, you know, at the time it was 20, 
maybe 22 single traveling the world. I mean, what better time than you were allowed to do that, you know? And, um, that's how I kind of approached it and viewed it. And man, the, the challenge tour, the challenge tour brought me to some awesome places. You know, it really did. Um, Kazakhstan, Finland, these places like I'd never, I haven't been back since, but you know, in Russia, I mean, those are places that I never would have dreamed of going. So, uh, it, it really, it really, really did have a good time. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think you know, these are places that you wouldn't go as well. I think that's very fair yeah. to say. You, you, there is yeah. absolutely no desire to go to places like Kazakhstan <laughs> if, <laughs> unless tell you're you, a massive Borat fan. Yeah, I <laughs> or, tell you what, what a, what a fascinating country because you like because it's obviously it's it's borders Mongolia and Russia, so you see a lot of Asian people, but then they all speak like Russian, and you're like, holy, <laughs> it's just the most bizarre thing to actually see, but. That week was that week was cool. It actually that that week I remember we had uh, I don't know. You guys probably don't get the commercial over there, but uh, it's this guy who does the Allstate commercials, and he may have been like in 24, but he was over there for like some music film festival. So there was a lot of there was a bunch of security, and he was staying at our hotel, and there was a lot of U.S. Uh, like military security kind of staying at the hotel. So. Um, I think we were staying with Brooks and my buddy Cullen and Scott Pinkney. We were all staying together, but like every night we were kind of like going down and seeing this guy and hanging out and chatting to the military guys. I mean, we just we had a great time. It was, it was a lot of fun. You actually played quite well that week as well. Was it top twenty that week? And yeah. You, you touched on Scott Pinkney there as well. He was uh, tied yeah. seventh, so you guys yeah. played well. <laughs> yeah, we we enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I. I I don't know how BK did, but I don't. I, I can't really remember to be honest with you. But yeah, Scooter, Scotty was Scotty was good, man. He was, and he was he was the first guy, like he went over played, in Europe for me. He may have been before me. I, well, he was already he was over there because I know he was a year ahead of me in school. But he may have been over there maybe a couple years, and then, and then he came to the states and then got his PJ tour card. So, um, yeah, Scotty was. Scotty, Scotty did it kind of before me and Brooks that no one kind of really knows about, but, um, but yeah, and, so and that's the thing, isn't it? A lot of people do focus on yourself and Brooks as, as the two trailblazers of Americans mm. playing in. And as you say, Scott did it, uh, there's a couple of guys doing it now. We've yeah. Got, you know, Kurt Kitayama and, uh, Julian yeah. Suri's done it. Um, um, it, it's certainly, I think a lot of people sort of misjudge it. I think a lot of people say you guys come over to get, an easier qualifications, get an easier tour card, but it, it isn't that at all, is it? It's a different way of developing your game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, my, my favorite's the story on Todd Hamilton. He'd go play in Japan for years and would make like <laughs> two million bucks. I mean, that guy was made an absolute killing over there. Um, but no, it, I mean, I, I've never viewed, and I know a few guys may have kind of commented on it, I never, but I never viewed the European tour as like a stepping stone for the PGA Tour. I never viewed it like that. To me, the European tour, it, it's... You know, it is a it is a global tour that is that is fantastic. I mean, reality, it is a it is a super great tour to be on. It's you make a good you make a really good living. The purses have gone up drastically. They've taken care of the players a lot more through the years. And I've never personally never viewed it as a stepping stone. So, you know, I, you kind of hear the comments every now and then guys say that. But ultimately, like life, you know, life changes you know it's like you know i met my wife so it's like i wanted to come back home so it's like you know stuff like that changes so you know if maybe if i didn't hadn't met her and you know all this jazz i may still be over there because in for me i i absolutely loved it and um 
you know, and, and I mean, I, I love playing the PJ tour as well. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> you know, you know, I, I absolutely loved my time over there. And, you know, I look at, you know, Dave Lipsky's been over there a long time now and, you know, he, he does, you know, he, he saw, he makes a good living, you know, plays well, wins every now and then. And, you know, it's, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? No, exactly. And you know, you had a good, good career, didn't you? A good time on the, on the challenge tour that year in 2012. Um, and that got you on to the European tour where you just had an unbelievable rookie season. Oh, you know, yeah. you got to win, uh, what is it? Three seconds. Uh, you know, it's, it's one yeah. of those ones where you can't, you can't, you can never know how well you're going to take to it, but it almost looked like you were just, you felt natural as soon as you got there. Yeah. Fair yeah. Assessment? yeah. I mean, yeah, I was I was I was upset they took away the Welsh Open on me. That was my that was my guaranteed good week. I liked that event, um, <laughs> but yeah, they uh, yeah, it just I did. I mean, the, it's just it, it's a different it's a different form of it's a different form of competition over there. It's it's everybody there's there's different camaraderie. There's um, obviously everybody everybody basically travels the same. You know, you're you're kind of. Everybody's in the same flights, the same hotels. Everybody's eating in the lounges together and buffets and whatnot. So there, it had that nice sense of um, you know bonding with people. And I was, I was lucky. I started my buddy who was scouting for me. You know, he wanted to come back home, which was fine. And I, and I got hooked up with Sam Haywood, who was a younger caddy at the time, but you know, good friends with with Willett and Jonathan Smart and you know, and a lot of the guys. And so I spent a lot of time with Sam and. You know, he's, you know, we just kind of became close with a lot of his group of friends and, you know, they took me in, which was, which they didn't have to do, but they, you know, they braced me as kind of one of them and, you know, they were great. And, you know, so that made it, made me feel very comfortable kind of being around them. And then, um, so it was good. It really took a lot of kind of pressure off you, you know, first year out and, and, and stuff like that. But I remember like I won, I won Madeira and my next week was, was Wentworth. And you know, the winner Madeira got into Wentworth, and so the next week, and I just remember like I was standing in the lobby, um, and then like you know, I I met Sergio years and years ago, and hadn't seen him since. But Sergio, you know, walked up to me, congratulated me, and you know, gave me a hug and all this stuff. And I'm just like, man, it's just you know, just like little things like that. They don't, you don't guys don't need to do, but it just kind of shows in my mind the kind of people they are, you know, how they you know appreciate kind of stuff like that and doing something different and. You know, and so, um, you know, it was just kind of little things like that made me feel pretty comfortable over there. And that's the thing is, you know, the, these guys, you say they all travel to the same places, stay in the same places, whereas a lot of the, the PJ Tour events, you know, the, the States is so spread out that people are traveling in, they're, they're renting their own houses. I mean, if you don't want to see anybody, you don't have to see anybody on the PJ Tour. I imagine it's kind <laughs> of, you can keep yourself to yourself. I mean, there's a lot of guys, yep. I'm sure, that do share, do share houses, do spend a lot of time with one another, but... You know the, the DJs of this world, and the, they're just doing their yeah. own thing, I imagine. Yeah, I mean everybody, everybody has families pretty much over here, and I'm not saying that that you know they don't have that in Europe, but it's like you know people travel with their families here because it, it does get it does get lonely on the road a little bit, and you know when when obviously a lot of people here have you know financially have the means to be able to travel with their families, they do it, and so you know you, you kind of get that a bit more on 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 this tour than maybe the european tour and um so that the camaraderie maybe goes down a little bit but i mean the pga tour has gotten younger absolutely it's definitely gotten younger through the years so you know you see a lot of guys that are 
coming up and a lot more camaraderie and a lot, you know, they get along a little bit more. It's not as cutthroat, I think, as what it, as what it was. So um, it definitely has gotten a lot better through the years. It's interesting as well that you mentioned that you do like playing in the tough conditions, in the winds and things like that. Because after your win in Madeira, uh, a good week at Wentworth, um, and then you've got a tied 10 at the Scottish Open, second in Wales and second at the Daniel Links as well. So you had a good little <laughs> yeah. run there in some t- tough competition. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I've always, for some reason, ever since you know Oklahoma, I've enjoyed playing in the wind, and I really, link, and I, and I like links golf. My, well, links golf's funny. My love for links golf is at it's never at its highest as it is at the beginning of the week. You know, I love, I absolutely love first week links golf love it second week eh. third week i'm like god get me out of here <laughs> like it's just <laughs> it's beating you it up <laughs> just, oh it just wears on you and, and it's yeah it i find links golf just to be very very tricky and I, I enjoy it i love it but at the same time like i'm like man i can't i remember doing those runs of the you know the irish at least the french broke it up a little bit or if that i can't remember if that was the first one but like by the time like the open rolled around i'm like i don't want to play i'm tired of links golf <laughs> And so, yeah, it, uh, it was, it's fun though. It's, it, it, I've never hit so many good shots that end up so bad or hit bad shots that end up good before. It's just, it is, it, it really is fascinating golf, but, um, yeah, it's fun. It is creative and it's enjoyable, but yeah, I've, I've always, I've always enjoyed the wind for some, or now that obviously I spent time at Oklahoma state, I've, I enjoy the wind a lot more now than I used to. I that's the thing, isn't it? You touched upon it there is that, Yes, Lynx Golf does tend to reward good shots, so people know how to keep it below the wind, people that know where to hit it and things like that, but there are going to be times where you hit the absolute best shot you possibly could hit in that situation, and it is going to take the worst bounce, and you are going to be frustrated. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I hit... I remember thinking, I play, may have played... God, I can't... I forget where. I don't know. I remember thinking I hit a really good shot into this part. may have been card used to the year. I don't know maybe during one of the Dunhills, but you know, you know, a card you see is on 18. You just hit a little bit of a draw that lands like in the middle of the grade and it's out of bounds. You're like, man, I didn't deserve that with a five. Like, that was a pretty good shot. And it's out of bounds. You're like, all right, well at this point, it's like, all right, maybe I don't want to do that. I don't want to play links golf right now. But and so, yeah. yeah, so you had that really great year there, didn't you? In 2013, mm-hmm. um, you're still traveling back and forth to America at that time. You're not just, completely stationed in europe am i right are you, are you still traveling yeah back no home? i never never stationed in europe um i always just traveled back and forth the the tour was always great that they broke it up you know it's like they weren't going from morocco to china to spain you know it's like you know they were maybe going morocco spain and then two in china or whatever so you could you can pick and choose your schedule and where you wanted to play and travel and stuff like that so it was it was a lot you know, I, I never, I always just kind of came home and, and, you know, in the summertime going to Boston, my parents love a place up there and Boston, to Boston, London was cake really. So, um, <laughs> that made it pretty easy. But. And, you know, so you have this really good year in 2013, how difficult then 2014 when, uh, sort of out the gate at the start of the year, you, you struggle for what seems to be quite a long time, <laughs> right up until <laughs> kind of the... I think the Czech Masters in August, you had a good event, but yeah. you know, before that, it was it was really tough. There was a couple of yeah. places, Qatar and the, and the WGC as well, where you, you had a good week, but there was a lot of missed weekends in there. Yeah, yeah, I threw I threw a lot of missed cuts in that year. Just, <laughs> just mix, mix it up a bit, you know. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I just didn't, I just wasn't playing good, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, it was your first kind of test of struggling a little bit. And then, um, you know, kind of seeing the gruel, the grueling test of that is, you know, professional golf, you know, I think that was probably the biggest difference, you know, cause the first, you know, first year in the challenge tour, it's exciting. It's enjoyable. Then the second year on the European tour, you're like, heck, this is awesome. Playing great, blah, blah, blah. And then the third year, you're like, man, I've been playing a lot of golf. You know, you go from, you go from college and amateur, you know, maybe playing 18 times a year to all of a sudden professional golf, you're playing 30, you know, 28 to 32. It's like, man, that, and, and on top of flying and traveling, it's like, man, that adds up over time. And I had, I remember, I think I was, I had a bulging disc for a little bit that I was playing through. And then I had to not play for a little bit. I had taken time off. I can't remember. And so it it just kind of added up. I wasn't, didn't properly take care of my body as well as I should have. And, and then obviously the, the confidence factor of not playing well and getting beat up. And, you know, that, that's, that was really kind of the first, first real kind of hit to, to the confidence. And, um, and then I felt like I just kind of reset it a little bit kind of towards the end of the year. And yeah, it was nice. I mean, or Prague, I mean, Prague and Czech master. That's probably my favorite, favorite city in the world. Favorite, one of the favorite courses we played. So, um, it was kind of nice kind of having a good week there. It kind of turned, I think turned, ended up turning the season around a little bit. Yeah. It was definitely from there on. It was, uh, one miscut right at the end of the year in, uh, in South Africa, I think it was, but, but other mm-hmm. than that, it was uh, it was sort of uh, very good events all the way through to the end of the season, and you had uh, mm-hmm. uh, top twenty finishes again at Dunhill Links, uh, Perth. You finished top ten. Yeah. Back on the PGA Tour, you finished tied fourth. And was that how was that when you realised that actually you're, you're taking your game from the European Tour to, to contending and winning to, or actually you came within three shots of winning a PGA Tour event as well. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that was that was just kind of like I remember. I think I may have gone from. It shows how dumb it was at the time of traveling. I think I may have gone from Australia to Mississippi back to Turkey or something bizarre. <laughs> that that is what you've got here. <laughs> this is what it yeah. like. <laughs> I think I I don't know. I may have had a week off somewhere in there, but I don't I don't think I may have not. I don't know. It was Mississippi. Um, yeah, it just was one of those things because I. I I don't think at the time I may not have like I may have had my card locked up in Europe, but I hadn't been qualified for some of the events at the end of the year. So we, so we asked for maybe a spot in a PGA Tour event because I was playing pretty good. And so, but at the time, um, Chubb was my agent. He's like, "Hey man, he's like, you're you'll probably really like this Perth course." So I was like, "All right, I'll try it." I mean, I hadn't been to Australia at that point, I don't think. And so I went down. Absolutely loved the golf course in Perth. I mean, a fantastic, uh, fantastic golf course, Lake Karen. Yep. And yeah. And so I had a good week there. I was obviously running high and went to Mississippi, uh, because they, you know, I was fortunate enough to get a spot there. And cause I mean, at the time I wasn't even going to play Perth. And so it, so it just, it just, you know, logistically probably didn't make sense, but it, it did at the time. And, you know, then just kind of carried over played well. And Mississippi's turned out to be a great golf course as well. And, so that that's still in rotation and i really enjoyed that this year and um and then i think because i played well in perth that got me into turkey so i obviously went i had a chance i mean because you top you top 10 on pj tour events you're you're you get into the following week yeah. and so uh 
you know, they asked me when I was signing my score after the, after the round, they're like, Hey, do you want to go to Mexico? And I'm like, man, I flew all the way to Australia to play well, to basically get into Turkey. So no, I'm not going to go to Mexico. I'll just go to Turkey. <laughs> and so, um, so I ended up going on and then I think I played all right in Turkey that week. Uh, I can't, I can't remember what year that one was, but, um, I don't remember. I, I don't know. End, if it... end of 2014 is uh, a tied 11 finish. So yeah. Yeah. So I almost, I ended up almost making it. I think ended up almost making it to Dubai at the end, um, which would have been a result because I had been playing poorly all year. So. <laughs> but I think that's the thing, you know, is that is, like you say, it was the first challenge of really a test of your professional game, definitely because you'd come straight out of the gate and play well on the Challenge Tour, straight on the European Tour. Suddenly you have to deal mm-hmm. with a, a loss of form, an injury that you didn't really uh, treat as you needed to, which is difficult mm. when you're flying around all the time. Um, so then bounce back and, you know, make, you know, five, four or five cuts in a row, uh, contend a couple of times in that space of time. It must have really given you almost an additional confidence on top of the really good play that you'd put in before. Yeah, it, it, it definitely helped. You know, you kind of reset a little bit and then, and then change kind of, you know, or maybe trying to change things that you were doing routines and stuff like that. And then kind of see the results pay off pretty quick, which was nice. And, um, you know, it, golf's funny, man. Like you never, you never feel, you never feel like you're getting worse. If that makes sense, you it's like your results may not show it, but you never. Each year, you feel like, at least me personally, I feel like I'm progressively getting better each year. Even though results may not show that, or based off what ranking or whatever may not show it, but I feel like I'm a far better golfer now than I was seven years ago. And you know, results obviously are you know, they are what they are, but at the same time, as a, as a golfer and a complete player each year, if you feel like you're getting better somewhere along the line, then, you know, that's all that really matters. And, um, you know, it's, it's a fickle game. Golf's, golf's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting you say that because, um, a lot of people will say in a post round interview, this has been coming. Uh, I've been feeling that the form was getting there and this might be after, five or six missed cuts and people go well how's this yeah. guy just just rolled over and won his event by five well in your head you knew you were working towards it you knew you were playing well as you just said there um but to try and sell that to people that have, have watched you miss cuts for months it, you know it yeah. must be it must be really weird but it's some great mindset that you must have there that you know each year that you're progressing as a golfer uh, maybe whether it's be a technical standpoint whether it's from an attitude mm-hmm. standpoint um even now again so you're you're playing the corn ferry tour now um mm. and you had a you had a good chance to win you know two, two events ago um mm-hmm. and again that would be quite difficult to to predict when before that there was kind of four or five missed cuts yeah yeah it, it's funny because you know two guys i kind of think of is you know andrew landry who ended up winning in uh palm springs you know he hadn't made a cut all year and then he goes out and, and goes out and wins and, you know, and then um, my caddy was working with James Hahn for a long time. That's what and I he was going to say. <laughs> yeah. He said, James Hahn, you know, missed eight straight cuts. And he's like, but he's like, he's like, but my caddy at the same time, he's just like, man, I see a lot of what's going on with you or what's going on with James. You know, we missed the cut, but it's like, man, you didn't play that bad. No. It just, you know, you just, it is, it's just such a fine line on, especially on the PGA tour. And it is a very, very fine line on you know between contending and and going home like there's you don't feel like there's that much of a difference and you know he was like man you know he's counting for james and we missed eight straight cuts and then we win 
Quail Hollow. And he's like, but the whole time, like during that week, James was like, man, I don't feel like I'm doing anything different than I have been the last eight weeks. And it's like, you know, but he's end up, he ends up winning. And that's, that's kind of how the tour is, you know? And it, it's, it, again, it's a process. You know, you obviously you have the anomalies, you know, you have, you have the Rory's and, you know, guys like Tiger, you guys like that, who, you know, obviously contend every week. And, um, but for, for every Rory, there's, you know, there's 10 Andrew Landry's or just guys. You just kind of just don't play well for a little bit. And all of a sudden then they win. And it's like you, that, that happens more often than you think. And, um, the tour is the tour, the tour is tough. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. The depth of it is, is unreal. So you see that, you see that every week, you know, we have a guy contending who, you know, is 200th in the world or, you know, 200th in the FedEx cup or whatever. And he has a chance to win. And it's like, you wouldn't see that in tennis or whatever, but that's, mm-hmm. that's what makes, that's what makes golf what it is. So as I mean, I'm not a gambler on golf. Can't, but <laughs> as if they're like people gamble, like, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> like, it's got to be the hardest thing on the planet. It's, it's, it's quite a big, um, there's always a big debate against sort of course form and current form and a lot of people put a lot of stock into, like you said there, Wales Open was kind of a, a gimme for you. It's a good yeah. place for you to go and play. Um, there's going to be a couple of events like that for you. <laughs> no one no one is more upset that we're losing Trinity Forest this year. I mean, I I thought that, that was my bread and butter for the year. I love that place. So I... <laughs> No one was more upset because I was playing. I've, I've been playing good, and going into that week would have been, you know, I would have gotten into that one and playing well, and so that that would have been. Uh, so I'm really bummed this this coronavirus happened that week. So I love that golf course. <laughs> and and that's the thing, isn't it? Is it is waiting for the best opportunity. I mean, your first full season out on the PGA Tour again. It was a, a bit of a mixed bag, but you had top five finishes at Quail Hollow and at the Memorial as well. Um, and then ended the year again with a seventh. So mm-hmm. you had three really, really good finishes. Um, no, there wasn't a victory in there, but I don't think people realise because there's these outliers that you spoke about, like Rory, the Tigers, the, the John Rams, mm-hmm. that just come out and win yeah. you know, three or four times very, very quickly. That how difficult it is to win. Yeah, I mean it's it's a different, it's just a different beast, really. Um, yeah, I mean. Like I like kind of I said there there is such a fine line between you know winning and making the cut and contending and all that and it's it's very little because PJ Tour European Tour whatever I mean everybody's everybody's great like everybody is a very 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 good golfer you know whether or not guys do things differently or better maybe than somebody each week but that doesn't that doesn't matter because everybody you know you could look at you know the worst putter on tour is still a pretty good putter you know. <laughs> Like Adam Scott was classified as a horrible putter. You don't get to number one in the world being a bad putter. No. You know? Like that's that's just that just doesn't happen. And, you know, the knock on Spieth and when when he's been, you know, when he's been struggling, I think I just I think I just played with Jordan. Um but he but he was better than, you know, what you would expect a guy who had been struggling, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I, I play golf with smiley at home smiley kaufman came down you know a month ago or something and he's playing good like he, he had the occasional foul ball but, but you're like man you're not you're not playing 80 or whatever the scores you've been shooting you're not playing that bad and you know it, it's just that it's just that little i don't know it's just that little bit extra i guess that little bit of mental 
you know, a little bit, I don't know, that little bit of extra confidence or whatever it gives you. But, but everybody, everybody on PGA Tour, European Tour, they're, they're, they're all very, very good. And so it's just that, it's just that little bit of extra, I guess, each week kind of different, you know, gives the guys different. Then you look at, when you look at a guy, um, like Colin Morikawa kid who hasn't missed a cut yet. <laughs> He's just out there beating the world. And yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's so impressive. And that's, there's a couple of points there that I really want to go back to is uh, the the putting situation you said there that people criticise Adam Scott a lot. Another yeah. person I always think of is Lee Westwood. Everybody yeah. in the world yeah. will say Lee Westwood is a bad putter, but the guy's won 44 times across He's, the world, across the globe, and been a world number one. <laughs> you can't be a bad putter being world number one. I don't care who says it. <laughs> like you just can't. And so I'll never I'll never understand it where it's like. I know, she, you know, Brandel's kind of been dogging Spieth and driving and all this stuff. And it's like, man, he's still he's still a top 50 player. He might not be what he was, but he's still a top 50 player. You, you're not a bad driver of the golf ball being a top 50 player in the world. You're just not. That's just that's just not possible. And so, it is. It's fascinating. It's it is it is. I don't know. I mean, it's a different world for me. Like kind of the studying of it. Like, but I would be fascinated to see what a lot of guys say from studying it and doing all that stuff. So. But, I think uh, it's a, a lot of it's recency bias, isn't it? I think you you know you see a guy, and you know three or four years ago everyone would be saying, well, Peter Uline's a major winner mm-hmm. in waiting. You know he mm-hmm. he's going to be a, a top ten player in the world. Um, and then you know it takes two years, and suddenly that those things are not being said anymore. But you've not, as you've just said to me, you know you're developing every year. You're still becoming a better player, but because yeah. the the world ranking says otherwise, people tend to forget just just what's going on i mean it's only last the last time out that you played that you you shot a 66 in the opening round um okay yeah. the end you know the rest of the week wasn't as good um but you said yeah. there it's a fickle game it's very easy for things to change very quickly yeah and you know i i've always i've always respected i've respected the golf of matt kuchar let's just say that you know <laughs> i i have respected the career he's had on course you know a guy obviously struggled rechanged everything and then just became a very dominant player may not have won a lot but he was he was consistent as hell from you know his 30s to 40s i don't don't know his exact age but you know for 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 a long window he was very 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 good and you know whether or not you know you see guys who come out who do it when they're 20 21 whether or not they continue doing it by the time they're 30 32 you know you don't know you know it's a long way down the road you know um, you know, guys, guys like Jason Duffner who ends up winning majors, you know, they weren't, they weren't on tour until they were 27 or 28 or whatever. So in my mind, you know, golf, I would say maybe golf prime years or maybe, you know, your early thirties, mid thirties, late thirties, maybe that's kind of your prime. I think that's when you see guys win their majors, their first majors and things like that. And so, you know, those are, those are the kind of the ages when, you know, you expect to play some of your best golf. And so I think anything really before that's a bonus and, you know, develop, you're trying to develop yourself in all different ways, you know, as a golfer, mentally, physically and stuff like that to kind of peak for those years. And so, yeah, I mean, like I said, results obviously are different and may not show it, but I feel like I've been playing a lot better, you know, as of late, especially. And I feel like I've gotten a lot better each year or each year. I feel like I've become a better player, which, you know, hopefully we'll, you know, it'll come to fruition, you know, for, you know, years down the line. So, 
And that's the thing, you know, you're you're 30 years of age. There's, <laughs> there is yeah. so much time ahead of you to to win events that you want to win. I mean, I'm assuming the aspirations are still mm-hmm. there to to win major championships, to win Ryder Cups. That you know, those objectives don't go out the window just because you've had a, a bad season, or in your case, not even a bad season, just not as yeah, good just, as it was when you first came out on tour. Yeah, just didn't didn't finish 125. Didn't I mean it was ultimately that was that was I mean it was on me. I looking back on it, I probably wouldn't have played as much. I'd never I'd never been a guy who plays a lot in a row. I'd always need my weeks off, but I felt for some reason I got to like Travelers and I was just like, oh crap, I got to play every week, and then I just played like crap. And so, you know that that looking back on it, I probably shouldn't have done that. And you know you live and learn. That's just the way it is. And um, but. You know, I, I've, like I said, I feel like I'm playing good, and I'm not, I'm not disparaged that, you know, I, I'm, I'm fully. Uh, say we do start up at Colonial, you know, I, I'm in that because I top ten or top fifteen last year, so I get into that. But you know, if I got to play the rest of the year on the web, I'll, or the Corn Ferry, I'll play the rest of the year on the Corn Ferry. Like I will. Like I'm not, I've never been scared to play, a tour if there's a means to an end, you know, it's like, Hey, if I play well on the, on the corn fair and get back on the PGA tour next year, I don't care. I'll play, you know, or it's like, I, I was fully willing to play however long I needed to play on the challenge tour to get to the European tour. And, you know, so, you know, it comes with the territory. I get it. You know, golf's golf's not all, you know, roses all the time. And you're <laughs> going to have peaks and valleys. And I understand that, you know, life's a, life's a marathon, you know, it's not a sprint. So, you know, if there's going to be, you know, tough time, then that's the way it is, you know, put your head down, get to work and, and barrel roll through it. So I think that's really important. You say that, I think, is that something, a mindset that you've, well, it certainly sounds like it from the discussion we've had that you've kind of had throughout your career, but I think a lot of players would, would take a few years to get to that point where they can say, well, actually this is a means to an end. This is what I need to do. I imagine if one of these young stars come out now and really struggle for the first year on the PJ tour, they, they, may struggle to humble themselves to go and play the corn ferry just to get back on. Um, yeah. It's not, it's not as easy just to do that sometimes. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. I, I mean, I look at a guy who I think is a very, very good player and, you know, he played some events in Europe, you know, Curtis Luck from Australia, won US amateur and he came out, played some European tour. I actually got paired with him in Dubai. They paired me, Curtis, and I think Eduardo, they paired the amateur champions together. And, um, so I played with him, was very impressed. And then he played, I think he played a year on the corn ferry or, you know, and he got his PGA tour card, but then I think he really, he really struggled on the PGA tour. And I don't know how well he's been doing on the corn ferry or, or, or what, but, you know, I look at him as an example is, Hey, this kid's a very, very good player, very good amateur career. Um, and then kind of came to the PGA tour and kind of got his head kicked in a little bit. And now, that's when you kind of see what kind of player he is or person he is like, Hey, are you going to kind of roll over and let it kind of kick your ass? You're going to, you know, you're going to get down and get to work and, and, and get back out there. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's so many examples of guys like Curtis, you know, where, because the P the PGA tour, the PGA tour is hard, man. It's nothing is given to you on the PGA tour, but I tell you, if you play well and you earn it, you, you know, it, it's a great life. It's a great living. So, um, you know, it, it is, it, it, it's fun. It's, it's hard, but it's, it's the challenge of it that kind of, you know, at least keeps me going. So you talk about the hard work you have to put in there, you know, in the situation that we're in right now where it's not clear 
when we're next going to be able to play again, when we're next to see tournaments. What is your attitude now? Are the clubs firmly away in the in the cover for the time being? Are you getting out there and, and practicing, or are you enjoying the home life for a little while? No, I, I, you know, probably probably not a great. Like I'm I'm playing golf every day because down because <laughs> down in Florida, man, like we haven't quite. We don't live in the real world, <laughs> in my mind down here. We live in we live in fairy tale land down here in Jupiter, and um, I'm playing every day. Uh, working out every day but that's kind of been all that's that's altered a little bit and um but golf every day because my mindset right now is like man i'm gonna keep playing until they tell us we can't you know so which i'm assuming is gonna happen soon i think we're gonna get we're gonna get quarantined to our home i think in a, in a little time you know we're gonna have a couple week quarantine or whatever so um so i'm basically playing every day until um, until told we, otherwise. <laughs> yeah, until we're told otherwise, I'm playing every day, and I'll give and I'll give medalist credit where we play. Um, they're they're taking precautions, like they're doing they're doing everything they can. You know, we pull in, they spray down all the golf carts, um, and you know they've changed all the flags. They they've basically taken the cups and flipped them so the you know the bottom of the cups on the top, and so you know it hits the middle of the cup and it bounces out or. You know, you can choose to leave the pin in or, or take it out or whatever. And, um, you know, we're all riding separate carts and you're not, we're not touching, you know, we're not touching each other's golf balls. We're not grabbing each other's clubs. Like we're not standing on tee boxes next to each other. So it's like, you know, w- we feel like we're doing the right thing. Um, but at the same time, you kind of look at it in the grand scheme of things. And it's like, man, we don't, because it's so like no one's tested down here and we don't know, like we don't know if we're making it worse. And, but as of now, no one's been tested out at uh, med or no one's failed, you know, a, a test. So as of now, we're just kind of rolling, like, you know, just kind of until we're told now. So. Yeah. I think it's a very difficult thing. I mean, obviously here in England, we are quarantined to our homes unless you're yeah. a key worker, unless you're on the front line at NHS staff, people like that, that, mm-hmm. that have to go to work. Um, but we're still allowed to go out for an hour a day. We're still going on walks. We're still going on runs. I think a lot of people are taking a few liberties when they've got dogs to walk and things like that, where they might yeah. they might drive off for two hours to get a scenic view and, yeah. and things like that. But, you know, when it comes to golf, it's very difficult to, to sort of suggest that it's such a bad thing to do in this time when, as you say, you don't have to touch one another. You don't have to be... I mean, certainly a lot of playing partners in the amateur playing and will be the each other side of the fairways. You know, there won't be there won't yeah. be balls next to one another. Um, so it, it's one of those things. It, until you're told otherwise, and that's a big part of the, the world problem now, isn't it? Is that people are not being told what they need to yeah. do until testing comes in. We can't be sure what's happening. You could you could spend the next three months indoors. Uh, and already have got it and still had it and yeah you know you can't have no idea yeah and, and that's the trouble isn't it um it's a strange time and i think but you know and that, everyone everyone just wants to know when it's going to end but we can't yeah we can't predict that you can't you can't and that but that's but that's kind of my next thing is like you know when they do decide it's it is ended or it's over it has to be a cohesive unit like the nhl the mlb nba PGA Tour, European Tour, everybody has to be on the same page. You can't have, you can't have what the PGA Tour had at the players. I mean, it, it was awful what they did. You know, with with the NHL, MLB, everybody canceling sports, and then the PGA Tour being like, "No, nah, we're cool. We're still playing." <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they're like, 
oh yeah, no, we'll, we won't have spectators. And then, oh no, we're, we're actually just going to cancel the event. It's like, all right guys, like you can't have that. Like you got to have, like we can't, we can't be starting on the PGA tour end of May when the European tours already canceled the same event, you know, the Irish open, which was the same yeah. week. Like you can't, you can't do that. And so there needs to be, there needs to be a cohesive unit. Everybody needs to be on the same page with this. And you know, you can't, it, it needs to be a, a collaborative global effort, but um, who knows, who knows if that'll happen to be honest with you. But do you um, think if it, if it wasn't the players, do you think they would have just called it off before no, they it started? Would, that would have been canceled the Tuesday. Yeah. I, yeah, there was, there was, that was, yeah, that, that was a hundred percent just because it was the players and it was the PJ tours, essential major. And that, that was, that was, Hey, we were going to push this as long as we can until, <laughs> until it didn't look very good. And then they're like, Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> then they try yeah, to save they, face a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That's the trouble, isn't it? Is And you know, you, it's difficult because on the face of it, it was a terrible decision. Like you said, it was, it was really awful. And, Yes. And the commissioner come under a lot of scrutiny, and but no one knew at that time. It really wasn't yeah. understood. It's, it was it was so fluid that no one no one had an idea that it was going to happen. But I think I think when other major sports canceled, then it kind of was like indicator, yeah. yeah, that should have been a that should have been enough, you know. When when NHL is canceling, when you know they're basically all you know you know they're all covered up, you know yeah. anybody, you know it's like. When they cancel, it's kind of like, all right, maybe we should, maybe this, maybe we shouldn't be golfing right now. And that's kind of the impression I've got at the moment. They've just cancelled, like you say, Wimbledon. Uh, the Olympics was cancelled last week, and I yeah. think that's when people really start to think, okay, well, this is this is serious. So these things, these massive global events, are really, really hard to to reorganise. I think, you know, we talk about the, uh, the Premier League over here as it's quite easy for them to, to get that back up and going. They've all got separate mm-hmm. grounds. They can play without fans or spectators. And whereas golf, it's not as easy just to, to go and, and bring up a, a tour event at a different course, you know, weeks yeah. after it's meant to be, it's not quite as simple. And I'm curious, and I'm curious about the no spectator policy as well. I don't, I don't, I don't know if how many events would buy that, you know, cause I, I'm, I could be way off base here, but I don't think, I'm not entirely sure that the Charles Schwab, like they're getting paid for the TV rights, if that makes like the TV rights for the week, you know, they're, they're making most of their money off of corporate tents, fans, ticket sales, advertising, you know? So it's like, Hey, if they, if the PJ tour comes to them, it's like, Hey, we want to play the event, but we have no spectators. Like that's a hard sell. That's a hard sell for an advertiser. And does it, you know, you probably play golf when it hasn't been thousands of people watching you at the time, but now that you're used to that and, that and that's the kind of, you know, outside the ropes, it, would would you find it really difficult to play if there was just, you know, no one watching? Do you think you you thrive under the pressure no. of people? Yes and no. I, I don't think it would be, no, it wouldn't be like, it wouldn't be weird to have, like, to play without people. Like, it'd be fine. And because we do a lot of practice rounds, funny enough, where they yeah. don't allow people in anymore. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it would be weird. It's just, it would be more from the, the viewing you know the view of it i guess you know i think people would people would love it because there'd obviously there'd be something to bet on and golf on tv (laughs) great something to watch you know people would love it but at the same time like from a moral ethics standpoint you'd be like man maybe this might not be the best thing to do just to pump out some product when you know people might not be you know there to enjoy it if that makes sense 
and this is the thing as well, it becomes very difficult when there's players that are on the cusp with keeping cards and different tours and then the, the talk the talk now yeah. is that they're just going to cram in a Masters, a Ryder Cup <laughs> and a couple of FedEx events and that sounds yeah. an awful lot like money, money, money. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... I mean, I've heard, I've heard all the whispers. Like, I've heard... I've heard Augusta in November. I've heard the Open. I've heard the Open in September. I've heard, I've heard the U.S. Open going from uh, New York to Sog or no New York to Pinehurst. I've heard the PGA going from, you know, San Francisco to Sawgrass. You know, so I've heard I've heard all these whispers and rumors. I've heard, you know, a two-year event, a two-year schedule. Basically, we're starting up in Greenbrier, and you're just running it back you know, the same kind of categories everybody's in and just kind of keeping the same, you're, you're at the same FedEx cup points. Essentially. You're just, you're basically making it another year. Um, I've heard there, you know, cause obviously the U S open, I think has been already been canceled. The opens probably not far behind. And like, I've heard they're going to replace those weeks with events that have been missed. And it's like, you know, it, it just, I don't know. It gets, it gets, it gets interesting at that point. But, uh, I've heard all. I've heard all the rumors. You say there, don't you? Um, that you, you, you're going out and doing your everyday life. You're working out. You're playing golf and, until you're told otherwise. So maybe your day-to-day life hasn't changed so much. But how much do you miss tour life and and the actual competition? You, is that something that you that you you live off and or do you like your downtime so it's not really too bad at the moment? No, I mean I've. I, I enjoy I I enjoy the competition to be honest with you I enjoy the travel and the, the challenge of it I, that's what I, I just I love the challenge of competing in golf and you know the, the fascination to me in golf is like how you can go from shooting 62 feeling amazing and the next day just being like wow like I sucked like that to me is that to me is kind of what keeps you going it's like man I love shooting a really good round and then being like all right let's get it let's let's shoot even lower or something you know and just kind of that vibe and that and that feeling is is what what I love the most. But um, yeah, I mean, day to day life around here, yeah, I mean, reality is hasn't hasn't really changed for for me. It's changed a lot for for my wife. She's you know she's self isolating, um, but um, for for me personally, and um, hasn't really changed a lot our dogs love it to be honest with you i'm home so more <laughs> they, they, they couldn't be more happy um but um yeah I mean, it's but it's just it's weird it, it's just you know there's a global pandemic going on and, and you know it's dangerous to be out but it's like when i go and drive to the gym in the morning you know it's hundreds of cars on the road and i'm like man like i'm not i'm obviously i'm not the only one who's not doing anything which is the issue you know and so it's just it, it's it's weird. It's like I said, we're just kind of going until told otherwise. But you know, right now the games at Medalist with all the players, like you, you can't get enough. Like everybody's playing, and it's just a weird time. Like no one, and no one's, no one's ever home at the same time. But there's everybody's home, so and everybody wants to still play. And so there's just games every day. It's, it's, it's just bizarre. It's weird, sir. It's weird. And that's so strange. You got half the tour now, where I heard Rory speak about it the other day, and. Uh, Xander as well where they're, they're sort of saying that without anything to look forward to or an event to look forward to they're basically ready to just down tools and because they've got nothing to work yeah. towards whereas your mindset is obviously still to go until you're told otherwise and you said beforehand you're playing with Matt Wallace and people like that so yeah you know it it 
it is strange. It's just it's so difficult to know what the right thing is to do. You say that there's people still out on the road. I mean, last week we were locked down as a country on Monday, and mm. on Tuesday there was as many cars out on the road as there was as normal. I drove into work because I had to count that to put mm-hmm. out of offices on and things like that. And, and there were still people everywhere. And I was sitting there thinking, yeah. well, we've just been told to stay at home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys haven't had that order yet. Um, no. But when it does, I imagine you'll start getting the yearly feeling of, well, okay, there's something not quite right here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just a weird time. And uh, I think it's just very important to keep your mind right. I mean, again, some people are better off than others. They've got gyms and simulators and things in their house where they can they can live at home and, and still do their same things whereas others are itching to get out what is i yeah yeah i don't i don't i wish i did i mean ultimately i wish i had a simulator or whatnot or you know a garage that i can hit balls into and stuff but like i don't i don't have that so it's like at least me going to the golf course i feel like i can i can at least kill a day which, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of what what you want because it gets a little it's only so much stuff you can watch on tv and and do all that jazz so it uh yeah it's been it's been and, and the bad thing the worst thing down here especially in florida is the beach like everybody's still going to the beaches everybody <laughs> and it's break. like yeah it's like it's a permanent <laughs> spring break down here it's perfect yeah it's perfect i couldn't think that is that is what it is down here it feels like a permanent spring break for everybody not just for 20 year olds it's for like 40 year olds you <laughs> know it's for everybody <laughs> and it's uh it's just it's it's bizarre it's really is bizarre I think just before I sort of let you go, obviously I've taken a lot of your time up, just wanted to talk about some off-course things. Obviously, you spoke about your wife there. You got engaged and, mm-hmm. and married over the last couple of years, and you got your three dogs, um, <laughs> you know, so they keep you busy. And, you know, outside of obviously that and, and your golf, what other things do you like to do to sort of keep your, your mind occupied and and keep you busy? Um, dogs. The dogs are the dogs are big. And we... And... <laughs> My wife and I, we, we treat them like kids. You know, you, I remember my, when I first got Bagger, my oldest, my dad was like, well, how are you going to view this? You know, are you going to view him as just a pet or are you going to view him as part of your family? I'm like, well, fuck, I'm going to view him as my family, you know? He's, yeah. And so, you know, we treat him like he's he's our kid. And um, and then we obviously, we, we, we got two others on top. So they they keep us entertained for the most part throughout the day. And uh, they you could, you could tell dogs are dogs are obviously they're very they're very in tune with their senses they can tell something weird's going on because yeah. <laughs> i'm still at home <laughs> yeah like i'm here a lot all of a sudden and they're they're like um why why are you here like and um so we've been you know there's there's a state park here we take them on bike rides or, or walks or runs and stuff and so you know, we take them out a lot we take them um we take them out on the boat and the sandbars and let them run around and um when there's no one around and so they keep us they keep us pretty entertained but you know i i'm i've always been i've always i've always enjoyed my you know my shows and stuff like that and kind of like everybody and so i'm just kind of cranking out tv shows and catching up on things and i hadn't seen and you know so that that's kind of the the best way we're killing time um my wife comes up with all these you know weird things to do around the house so that could kind of help (laughs) it feel some time so you know, she does a good job, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been difficult. And I know you said you, you obviously just, you just got engaged as well. Are you guys kind of doing the same thing? Yeah. It's one of those things where, um, we, it's, it's very handy that 
you know the person you're very fond of and and your best mm. friend and your partner is the person you have to isolate with so yeah it you know we again nothing's we're not going to work so that's mm. very strange for us we can't see our families again upsetting but modern technology as it is you know we can facetime we can zoom house party wherever it is that these apps mm. are coming out now there's, there's so many ways to communicate that i don't feel like i need to go out i've been for a few runs been for a few jogs we're we're killing it with movies and, and mm. things like that, but it is just a case of occupying your time, and, and this obviously helps, you know, having conversations like this, and I've been watching an awful lot of sport uh, reruns because of yeah. this actual sport. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I downloaded the Game Pass app, and I've been watching a lot of, because I'm massively into American sports. Um, okay, yeah. And, uh, and I know you are, <laughs> yeah. obviously. Um, yeah. I think I remember a couple of years ago when I was doing the... Uh, the fantasy NFL wasn't I? And you, you better oh, yeah. tweet back because of the crazy trade offers I was getting for like yeah. Mike Evans, and I was like, well, I'm not going to trade him away. But... I, tell you, I tell you what, no one's no one's more disappointed in me that baseball season's been suspended and probably canceled because I, I mean, I do all of fan like I I'm in a lot of fantasy baseball leagues. I do dynasty leagues, keeper leagues. I do all that jet. I mean, I was I was literally just amped and ready for it. All my drafts were like on the same week. I was so excited. It was the week of bay hill or somewhere i don't know one of the weeks and where i wasn't playing and I was, it was perfect and like and then all of a sudden it just they're like yeah no we'll just kind of postpone it and now it's just done it's like god dang it's just the worst and yeah i mean i'm i'm just, like fantasy baseball like that took up i mean it didn't take up a lot of time but to me that was like you know the, the thing that i could do throughout the year in the summer and whatever it keeps your mind kind of distant from golf and whatever and now that that's kind of taken it's just like god it's just it's just it's just lonely now. But... I absolutely love watching baseball live. Uh, I've been there quite a few oh, yeah. times when I've been over to the states, uh, San Francisco and San Diego and LA. I've been to, but yeah. uh, I have no idea how to do fancy baseball. I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I would not have the first clue. I'm it's, just about capable of doing the NFL. <laughs> it's honestly, but... it's the best. Like I, I, I don't really because the playoffs in fantasy baseball basically run into the first couple weeks, I think of fantasy football. So like first, like two weeks of fantasy football, I'm awful. Cause I'm like, I don't know what the heck's going on. Like I've not paid attention. I'm only, I'm only amped up for baseball. And so by the time football rolls around, I'm like, all right, well then I got to kind of pay attention. And it's like, I don't know. but baseball, I mean, I just, I love it. I could do it. I could do, I've, I've scaled it back this year. I've only, I'm only doing three leagues this year, but I've, I've done it before. I've been like in eight leagues and I just I absolutely love it. Can't it's very enough. difficult to keep track of it though, isn't it? <laughs> when you're yeah. Many. Yeah. yeah. And talking of the uh, the American football in NFL with uh, one of your heroes <laughs> out of town. <laughs> He's so, gone. So Have you got we... over this yet? Or oh, is yeah. this a so difficult I've... time to be at home? <laughs> no, this has been I've mentally prepared for this since the day the season ended. This is so he plays Tom comes down quite a bit, he plays a lot of golf down here. So okay. there's a lot of people close to him that he plays with or his friends that have known that hey he's he's gone so i may have placed a small wager on him leaving so yeah so i i had i had been prepared for this for for a while everybody everybody that was close to him had known this was happening so um i've already got my jared Stidham jersey i'm already ready i'm already turned the chapter <laughs> um the, but it, the show goes on <laughs> the show goes on you know next man up as they say so um yeah, I mean, it, obviously, it's yeah, it's it's tough, but you you know, you see Manning, Manning did it. Um, the guy from the um, Montana, Montana yeah, did it. Yeah. 
So, you know, guys, Brett Favre did it. So guys do it. And it's the nature of the, of the beast. It's a business and it is, it is, it's sad, but at the same time, it's, it, it's cool to see now, like, cause obviously Belichick was terrible with him before, before Brady, when he was with Cleveland yeah. and Brady's always had this knock of, well, he was only great with Belichick. So it's, it's really, I mean, it's great for the NFL. I mean, it's unbelievable for the NFL to have that kind of storyline now, but, um, you know, it'll be cool to kind of see how both of them do without each other and see, and see what it's, what it's like. But how do you expect yeah. it to go? Who do you think is going to have the better season? God, the Buccaneers defensively are just horrific. <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't know. I, I can see them both quietly just going like eight and eight, nine, seven, just, or, or is this year, did they have the extra game this year? Or is that next year? Or two, I don't yeah, even know. I, have, I think they have spoken about an extra game. Already. Yeah. It depends whether the season kicks off, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, if the Bucks do something about their defense, then maybe. But at the same time, New England, New England's defense was obviously very good. They've lost a lot of key guys, but I think they'll, you know, I think they'll replenish your next man up kind of mentality, what they do. But uh, I don't know. I mean, all reports, uh, this is the homer in me speaking about this Jared Stidham kid. He's apparently really good. So I, I'm, I'm optimistic that, uh, that they'll do all right, but we'll see. It's definitely, a, he, if anyone's going to be a big advocate of next man up, it is Belichick. And yeah. I know he, there was rumors of him trying to get Cropolo back and yeah. things like that. That, um, that was the biggest, um, that was the biggest rumor. Cause apparently I didn't, I didn't play with him, but I know a guy who was playing with him and he was saying that San, he, Tom wanted San Fran real bad. And so, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, there was no, there was, there was, there was smoke there. <laughs> like there was, yeah. you know, there's a reason why that rumor started, but, uh, you know, it was, you know, I, I, I couldn't have said the, but I, I just can't, I, it's going to be weird seeing him in that Jersey, but I just couldn't, uh, couldn't picture the bucks, but you know, I, I'm offensively, they're really good. So I guess I, I can see that, but at the same time, it's, tan- it's just weird. It's weird seeing him that. And have you, so you don't, you don't play with Brady at all while you're out there. You haven't, you haven't played golf with I've, him or? I've gotten to play with him, yeah. Last year, oh, yeah. Um, he's he he's exactly what he seems on TV. Like he's he's awesome guy, uh, polite, competitive as hell, <laughs> and um, just super friendly. Like talk when he, when he talks to you, you know, he looks you dead in the face, dead in the eyes, doesn't break eye contact. Like he's just super. Like he's engaged on whatever you're saying and telling him or or listening. You know, he's he's he really is. Like he he was a great guy, great guy to know. And, you know, him and JT are good friends, and so I guess when you know when Tom comes down, they play together a lot. So um, JT loves him, you know, speaks the world. <laughs> so you know, he, he is a good guy. See, I think I read that uh, Phil and Tiger are going to play against one another, and it's yeah Manning, Manning and Brady as yeah, well heard, as partners. I, I saw that. I got a notification on my phone about that. I didn't know what when that is or what that is. I wonder. I wonder what where that's going to be. I don't. I don't but I mean, Phil's apparently moving down here, so I wonder if that's going to be down here somewhere. But um, that'd, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have a clue. But um, I'm guessing they're just going to pay per view it like they did last time. I guess they're doing like the match part two or something. Yeah, I think I think I read because everyone, and this is the thing: every, as soon as a large amount of money involved, a lot of people get upset, and there's a regress, and there's, you know, do they need this much money and all that sort of stuff. But I think this is aimed at a coronavirus relief i don't i don't yeah. know exactly i nice. don't know what the finer details but if that is going to happen that's going to give some people relief something to enjoy 
uh, and they make a heck of a lot of money to help people, then yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, same. I'm I'm all for it as well, and I'm I'm just curious. Like, I'll be curious when when they do it, how they decide to do it, if they allow people to come in and watch or whatnot. But um, I, I'm sure there's so many moving details, and we'll, we'll find out soon. But yeah, it's gonna be that'll be cool. I really need. I think I've taken up of your time for, for the podcast today, Peter, but thank you very much for coming on. Um, yeah, of course. It's been a great conversation. Um, obviously, I've bugged you enough, long enough now, so I might leave you alone for <laughs> for, for, a few, for a few months at least until, until you uh, win on tour and we can talk yeah. again. But um, thank you for your time. Right. Take yeah. care of yourself and uh, we'll speak again soon. All right, you as well.